everybody. Welcome back to the Go To Dentist podcast. I'm David Rice here leading the charge this week, and I'm going to pass it off to my buddy, Dr. John Cranham, who actually picked up a handpiece this week. So, John, tell me, what's how'd that go? I prepped teeth today. That's crazy, man. I mean, I have not, uh, I think in 32 years, I've not touched a tooth no longer than maybe 10 days, and I went seven weeks. So, yeah, it was a little crazy. We had a very patient patient that was been waiting for us, and I did an upper arch and did some bonding on the lowers. And um, I got to say, the whole N95 with the level three mask over that and the head thing and the headgear and the face shield, and it was a little bit interesting. Uh, but not after a maybe five or ten minutes, it wasn't quite as bad as I thought. I told my team to um, dress warmly. I had the thermostat on about 66, uh, and that's not a joke. It was really 66. It was cold in there, but I just had heard people were sweating profusely with all that. Uh, so we put blanket on the patient, and we kept everything colder than even normal. Usually I have it around maybe 70. But biggest thing um, – probably first 10 minutes I did the bonding on the lower edges on the lower incisal edges first because I thought that would kind of be a good warm-up and I was I think hyperventilating in the mask the N95 because there's such a seal and I didn't really realize it but my glasses were fogging up about every 20 seconds and so I'd have to stop and blow air on my glasses and I was just thinking this is not going to work then I kind of became a little more aware of my breathing and when you breathe normally, I think it's a good tip that if you breathe normally, well, let's say it this way. If you're fogging up your mask, your N95 mask is not sealed. <laughs> you know, there's air coming out of it. So, you know, I consciously slowed my breath down. Um, I had the same thing happen to me when I was learning to scuba dive, actually. So um, just breathing too hard with, a, you know, the, the, the regulator in my mouth. So I just slowed my breath down. And then, then it was pretty normal. A um, little bit weird looking through the face shield. I don't know whether I was getting a little glare from my light, but that took a little bit. But I seemed to get used to that pretty quickly. But one of the things for sure, you're not going to be – I'm still trying to figure out. We just had one patient today, no hygiene, and I'm still trying to figure out how the whole hygiene check is going to work because you're pretty, um, you're pretty wrapped up in – and so kind of at the end of the day, like I didn't take my N95, my mask off for five hours and I kept everything on. And when he went to the bathroom, I would just sort of sit there and not touch anything that he'd come back. So it was, it was, it was a very, um, it was interesting, but just in fact, just doing the dentistry didn't feel that different. And I think maybe having the office a little colder helped. Um, but I just, I don't know what you guys think, but it's just going to be, I think the volume practices that are really doing a lot of volume, it's going to be hard. I think, I think we're going to end up uh, at the Academy. We teach a lot about, you know, sitting down and doing more procedures on one pe on one person. I think that's going to be a great strategy. I like that. I'll tell you what. So two things stuck out to me. First of all, those, those, those of you out here who know Dr. John, the hotness factor is inherent. So I was <laughs> yeah. going to ask about the, the temperature heat. So you answered that question for me. And uh, I like the warm up. So P.O., are you planning any stretches? Like how are you going to limber up for that first prep? <laughs> oh, man, you know, I, 
I just, oh, I'm, I'm happy that John's, you know, he's becoming a, the trailblazer for all of us. <laughs> so he can give us a, he can give us a rundown. And you know what it is? We're it, it, up here, uh, you know, our college, it, it's, it's incredible. They still haven't given us any guidelines all across Canada. Every province is giving out guidelines. So we're all incredibly anxious and nervous because we do not know what we need to reopen. Um, because for example, in one province, they're saying all rooms have to be closed and there's so many offices that you guys know are open concept. And I had a contractor come in yesterday just to prepare our rooms closed. And he said some of the offices he's going to, he's getting calls all over the place. And some of the offices he's going to, they're in big trouble because of how open they are. So one province is saying it has to be closed in 95, very strict guidelines. In British Columbia, it's like you could basically reopen. You don't even need an N95. You could have a level three mask. So everybody in Ontario right now, we are incredibly anxious. I mean, people are buying things that they may not need, you know, uh, like these, these HEPA air filters, which I think is a good thing. I have surgically clean air in my office. I have three units. But people are almost uh, buying out of panic. And so we're just all waiting because we know what's going to happen. The call is going to say, okay, you guys can open two weeks and you need this, this, this. And none of it's available, which is which is what we're anticipating. Well, so, I, but honestly, in the states, I mean, at least in Virginia, the 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 governor basically said, "Okay, you can go back to work," but they didn't really give us any guidelines. I mean, they 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 were, and that's that's what I think is frustrating for a lot of us. Is ADA's been kind of loose about it, but they haven't said. 100% what you need to do. I think everybody's just trying to protect themselves and their team and everything else. And, but I gotta say, after being like at our lake house, basically only seeing my family for seven weeks, basically. And then all of a sudden I'm kind of with my office and we're at masks. And then, you know, I know that I'm sticking my whole body in this aerosol of this person's stuff. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, we're trying to take now take all the stuff off and change back into my clothes. And I felt like I should be probably showering before I did that. You know, it's so I don't know, man, I, I, I just I think that whether we like it or not, there's going to be some sort of herd immunity, herd immunity event eventually. I just I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Uh, but we just got to do what we can. And, and, and I think the big point, I remember we talked about one time, uh, PO is, is maybe the, just making sure that if the person is positive, that you're not breathing it because there has been some studies about people that get their head in the aerosol can be a little worse off than just kind of getting it. And I don't know if that, if, and we know that for sure, but I do think we need to have at the minimum, some sort of really good mask and 95 is great and certainly a face shield. Um, but yeah, for sure. Interesting. I don't know, Pio, have you guys given much thoughts on how you're going to handle hygiene? We've, we've kind of have a hybrid strategy in our mind. Well, I'd love to hear a strategy. I mean, I'll, we'll follow up with you. I mean, there's a great point. I mean, the logistics, especially when you're counting up, uh, you have to take that off, you know, uh, Honestly, David, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just worried right now. I'm, my mind is completely fixated on what is equipment. Cause right now there's no N95 masks really available with suppliers here. So my mind's fixated on People. what I need to, to get their office ready. As far as the logistics of the flow, the patient flow, 
that's another problem that's just gonna you know give me a heart attack so right now i'm just looking at you know the logistics of what i need to open the face shields n95 mask i just had somebody measure we're gonna have somebody measure out the front desk for the acrylic shields that we're all seeing at the grocery stores uh probably gonna get my rooms especially the doctor rooms all taped up with plastic and having zippers uh because you know putting in doors i did not want to do that unless that's absolutely necessary. John brought up and David, I mean, what, what are you planning in terms of the uh, yeah, hygiene? Uh, talk recap? about, talk about hygiene, David, cause I'd love to hear that. What yeah. do you, what are you guys thinking? So I'll tell you, um, you know, this is, I think an opportunity. People talk teledentistry and consults from home and conversations from home to the practice. But our intention is to, um, have our hygienist do, you know, a virtual tour, video record everything for an oral cancer screening, take all, you know, take more pictures than they normally take with the enteral camera. And, and we're going to talk to our patients about how at the end of the day, we're going to have scheduled doctor time to mm. review. And that, that's when their exams are going to happen. So we don't have to get up from our treatment room across the hall, come back and forth. That's interesting. That's a big piece. And the, the other thing we've talked about is, you know, we're, we're, we have maybe an advantage that many practices don't have. So if you have this, go for it. If not, disregard. But there are days where I'll go in and I'll just do hygiene. You know, my partners will go and they'll do other restorative. And my job will be just go do great exams on the patients who come in. And then I don't have to bounce from this restorative room where I'm getting aerosolized. I'm literally just an individual in a room. Um, bouncing, but we're gonna we're gonna really bring teledentistry to the forefront in our four practice walls. Yeah, we're it's interesting. We were talking about actually at our meeting yesterday that um, again the other issue is that like in our practice, when a new patient comes, typically we'll be doing the exam, and then the hygienist comes in and does the full probe, and so that you know creates now a little bit of an issue for them to be able to do that as well. So we may end up, if I, we're seeing the new patient exam first, um, we end up, may end up doing our own probing or at least enough probing to make a diagnosis. And maybe if there's per, significant peri of the first visit will be full probe and, and the initial treatment by the, by the, by the hygienist. Um, but there's no question that the patients that see me first, we're not going to schedule them back for a second console. I'm going to do it all by Zoom. I'm going right. to, I'm going to. I'm going to do all that through teledentistry and go on Zoom. And because I can show them, especially now that we're doing our mountings um, with the uh, with three shapes, you know, I can show them everything that I show them in. I don't need an articulator anymore. I can show them all that virtually. I can show them pictures. I can show them the x-rays. And, and I think it'll be just as powerful. Um, but I think that what Dr. Knuth and I were talking about, and I really hadn't thought about what you were saying, David, it's a really, really good idea, is maybe at the beginning of the day identifying any patients that we might have to see for whatever reason. Um, and then, you know, her and I will look at our schedules and see which one of us is amenable to get up and when. So if we have to go in there, it's not at the end of the visit. It's when it's best for us, whether it's between patients or whatever. And to your point, when you go in there, you know, it's, you're not walking you're not, it's not an aerosolization room because we're going to only do hand scaling right now. They're not going to be using any sonic instruments. Um, 
that's one of the, the recommendations is that with hygiene, if they use sonic instruments, it needs to be assisted with high vacuum suction. Mm -hmm. So that makes it difficult for that to be done. Uh, so they're going to be hand scaling. So, so with that, if you take off your stuff and you, like you say, you just walk in and you're a guy that is just kind of going in, um, that may be what we need to do. But Right now, where we are is this week, uh, it's her and I are the only ones seeing patients and not at the same time. So today she actually, my associate assisted me. It's actually turned out to be kind of a good opportunity for her because she's getting to do these cases, kind of two, two doctors and see some things. Um, and then uh, next week, uh, we're going to add an additional assistant in and the hygienist that's been kind of doing front desk is going to start doing really limited hygiene. So we're probably not going to be full bore back with the whole team for probably about five weeks. So we're going to kind of bring it back kind of week to week. And the other thing everybody's got to think about is if you've got um, people on unemployment, what I would suggest is, is just don't bring them all, all back at once because if you don't have the volume for whatever reason, they're going to have a hard time going back on unemployment. So, so you want to pull them off um, in a way that you know that, you know, everybody can keep getting paid and all that. And so that's kind of what we're, our strategy is. And again, it, I, I will say just at day one with kind of a big procedure, I, I accommodated to the new PPE faster than I thought I would. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I did the case probably, probably took me maybe 15 minutes longer than that would normally. And that was because of the, all the fog in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> I've kept up blowing off my glasses because I was fogging it out. Once I calmed down, I was okay. Yeah. I mean, John, you, Go sorry, ahead. David. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that. I mean, it, you brought up a great point with, in terms of bringing staff gradually because, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm actually going to contact an HR, my HR rep, because I got to make sure I'm doing it in a way that's going to be, you know, kosher. It's going to be legal and that I can bring them back. And because I'm sure the people who are still going to be tentatively laid off are not going to be too thrilled that others are working. I'm not sure. I'm, that's what I'm anticipating. Well, but it's a great point, John. Yeah. And, and actually what kind of was interesting is I, it actually sort of worked out because some of the people that were having childcare issues, um, because they're not going back to school, were the ones that actually appreciated being able to stay on unemployment a little bit longer. And some of the single ones that were going crazy, uh, like the one assistant or one hygienist that's single, she's the one that she's basically stayed in the office um, the whole time. So she's been there to answer the phone five, five hours a day and was there with Dr. Knuth if they saw emergencies. So she's been there the whole time. Um, and so we're starting to gradually bring them back. Um, one other just comment to think about is one of the ways we are bringing people in that seems to be pretty effective is that when we are scheduling the patients, the front desk is working out the financial arrangement. And again, part of it's reminding them because they had the discussion two months ago, but we're asking them to um, either be ready to pay when they come or at the, at the end of the visit. But we are keeping, we're not putting any plastic at our front desk because we're not having anybody go to the front desk. So when they get to the office, they call us. Um, when we're ready, we go out. 
with our masks on. We get them, we take their temperature, you know, before they even enter the office, we take their temperature and then we walk them right back to the room. And then before they leave the room, all the financial arrangements are done. So if there's a credit card, you know, assistant will take it. We've got the little, the little wireless one that can come back. Um, if there's a check, it's all done back there. And then when they're done, they go straight back out. And I think it's a good idea because you have to think about the vapor trail of the person a little bit, you know, and, um, you know, the guy today went to the bathroom several times. So, you know, I saw, uh, I could kind of look down the hall and I noticed every time he went in there, you know, Presley was in there behind him with the Lysol and everything. And, and, you know, you, that's going to be one of the biggest things we're, we're trying to figure out when we get more volume, there may be even an additional staff person that is going to need to be in charge of the vapor trail, you know, just kind of making sure all of the surfaces outside of the clinical areas is just constantly wiped down. And, and it's what you're seeing, right? Like when I go to the grocery store, like there's people by the shopping carts now that all they're doing all day is wiping those things down. You know, they're just keep wiping surfaces. And I think it's going to be kind of the same expectation in our offices. Totally agree. I think having a designated person in that role is going to be very intelligent for all of us mm-hmm. where we can minimize contact and, 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 and kind of have somebody mother every project, so to speak, better off we're going to be. So listen, we've talked a lot about uh, switching gears and moving digital and, and enhancing all these things. We had a pretty cool seminar one that was digital. Yes. Yes, we did. And you were a part of it. <laughs> no, it was, was fun. yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it was the culmination of, I think a lot of the listeners probably were doing the podcast. I mean, the webcast, uh, the, the webinars, the free webinars that the Dawson did for, um, you know, every day for, for five or six weeks. And it culminated into the idea of live streaming seminar one, because we were, ha- we had to cancel uh, the one that was coming up in New York city and the one that was in San Francisco in June. And, you know, as a gift back to dentistry, we decided to do it instead of at 1680, we did it 199, which was unheard of. And, um, I don't know, 800 and some people sign up and, and uh, a little over 700 did it live. And one of the things that again, just sort of amazed me and, and it, it was starting to become clear to me as I got more comfortable with zoom was how present if you feel, um, when you're doing these things, uh, you, I was watching you, David, when, you know, you're asking questions, then keeping your eye on the chat box. And it is so cool to ask a question and then see hundreds of people putting something in a chat box and, you know, communicating back with you. Um, I was doing my clothes at the end. Uh, and that was such a powerful thing because usually when I do that and it's a story about, about my son, that's personal and I can feel the emotion in the room when I do that, but I've never been in a situation where while I'm doing it, I'm, I mean, people were just, the chat was blowing up, you know, for the, for the whole, and I have all that forever. You know, that was, was so cool. It's all recorded. Every question, everything, anybody put in the chat box, we have all that. Over the course of the two days, we had Lenny Hess and Raja Padia and Steve Horde and, and Joan in the background answering questions. I think we answered something in the neighborhood of 1,400 questions in two days. And we haven't answered 1,400 questions in 20 years. So, <laughs> so, so 
You know, so some of it was in the Q&A, but a lot of it was real time. And so I think what's intriguing about it is I'm starting to think that the, the format is better. Um, everybody has the same seat in the house. Everybody can see uh, the speaker's expression. You know, there's nobody in the back of the room. I would think that at home there's more distractions. And while that certainly can be po possible, I think there might be more distractions, particularly if you're in a room and you're in the back and, you know, the room can either be too cold or too hot. You know, if you're at home, it's just the way you want it. Um, so we, we polled the people that were there and, you know, whether they liked this versus live. And there were certainly maybe 10% that, that preferred the live, but the vast majority um, enjoyed the convenience of being able to do it. Obviously, you know, doing it this way is going to, is going to lower the price point because you're going to be able to, you don't have hotels and lunches and, you know, the manuals are going to be digital. Uh, I love it because it feels like, <laughs> it feels like it's my own show or something, you know, I mean, like, you know, when you're doing the webinars or if you're doing any course, I mean, it's po now possible to easily bring anybody in that you want, you know, and before, <laughs> If you wanted, to, if I wanted to have Dorada do adhesion from Poland, well, flying her, I mean, it would cost us $10,000 or something, you know, by the time she closed her practice and flew and she, to do two hours, you know, it's impossible. Well, now I want Dorada to do two hours of seminar too. It's easy. So I, I, I'm incredibly hopeful about where this is going and what it's going to do to the academy. I, I think this we're going to look back and think that this, what started as kind of a, a little bit of a gift and trying to help the dental community with COVID-19 and provide some CE and make us not go all go crazy. Uh, it may create a tectonic shift in how we do business. Even maybe what's crazy to think about is maybe be possible in the hands-on realm. And I know that sounds crazy, but home study. And I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities with this. One of the coolest um, pictures I, I at the end of the, the seminar, I wish I'd have asked people to do it. I wish I would have like posed or something and, and had them hold cameras up and all take a picture at the same time and post it. That would probably been a genius uh, Instagram marketing tool. <laughs> but, but still, a lot of people did that. And, um, but one of the coolest was this young mother who's, uh, who basically, you know, had this picture of her daughter on the lap who looked like she's about 18 months old. And she's, the post was, I picked up this cutie to study with me, you know? And so here's this awesome. mother and daughter and, and the mom, somebody else took the picture and she's totally intent on what we're teaching. And it's just cool. I mean, it's just, there's any way around. It's just, it's just really, it's just hitting another level of, uh, that I don't think we really thought about before. To, I mean, to, to, I was not there, but to ask you guys both, because obviously it seems like it is a tectonic shift. I mean, you did SEM3, I mean, what, two months, well, little, almost two months ago, that was a huge success. So I guess, uh, I guess the follow-up with you guys is, do because it seems it's only plus, plus, plus to do lectures this way. Now, do you see any, I mean, John, you've been years, do you see any disadvantage to not doing it in front of a live audience. Well, I think I think that I'd love your opinion too, David, when I'm done. But I, I think that there has to be, you know, as I look at it, what I envision is that I still think it would be, I think doing seminar three, you know, the final 
you know, graduation and have a big dinner and have everybody together. I, I would see that that is something that would be very possible that we should do. Cause I think there is something for the tribe to get together and to really see each other and to, to uh, intermingle. And then I also think the, um, the uh, Dawson association meeting, you know, to maybe expand the Dawson association meeting so that, but maybe right now seminar three and the Dawson are like a month apart. Maybe we do one in the fall and one in the spring so that twice a year, everybody's getting together. Uh, I think that's going to, I think that's still important. And I still haven't figured out, I, I can see that there could be home study for a lot of what we do. I still think teaching centric relation is going to be really hard without putting our hands. Uh, uh, so, so we have to look at it, uh, have to look at all that. The digital stuff as far as treatment planning and, um, but there's certain things that I think you need to be able to see and, and that's what we have to figure out. But, but I'm excited about the, the possibility of also doing more, uh, one days, you know, just where we, we have somebody like UPO that has a lot of information about uh, whether it's soft tissue procedures or implants. One of the things that the webinars really uncovered for me, and I mentioned this to you, David, is I think a lot of the Dawson Academy curriculum is aimed at a very high level at bigger cases and, you know, occlusal design and things like that. And I think that was what was interesting is when like Dorada was on talking about adhesion. Well, she was on for an hour and I mean, we, she was answering questions for home. There was still like a hundred questions that we couldn't get to. So I think there's, I think some of the fundamental things, adhesion, soft tissue management, good impressions, basic tooth preparation, some of the things we get into a little bit. I think a lot of that could be addressed in sort of mini one-day classes that could be online that fill in some of those gaps. And, uh, and, and again, uh, you know, and I think about the doctors that follow Ignite, that's, I, I think about programs like that for them because sometimes doctors aren't ready. They need to, to get reps. They need to get good at basics before they, they do some of the bigger things. So everybody's on a different path. I mean, I've seen plenty of doctors come right out of school and they're ready for it, but, but everybody sort of knows. And sometimes people want to date before they marry anyway. So <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I think there's a huge opportunity. I agree. Cause although we were, you know, physically distanced, I think people were very digitally engaged and that's nice to see. It is in the moment. You do get feedback, you know, every second something's happening and you can either kind of glance at it and pull it into the lecture or having the team behind the scenes was awesome to have people be able to bring those things to light during Q&A. And, and then I, I would second too that, you know, the, the live time is important and the live time becomes really precious. It's almost a throwback. I mean, I don't know if you, you guys, but you walk outside and, um, Families are going for walks. They're going for bicycle rides and they're doing things that people did 30 years ago and they're enjoying right. it. So maybe those live moments become really monumental and they carry not only um, a great education with our hands and our heads, but they're, they're so much more memorable because they're, they're, they carry a weight to them. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, uh, and this, is, this sounds kind of crazy, but 
I'll just tell you a story that my wife loves to tell. And, and you know, she likes to tell funny stories about me being weird. But social media, you know, the thing, the world we live in, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, I use Instagram for dentistry, but Twitter is hokey football for me. I mean, I'm a hokey football fan. I don't do I don't think any dentists follow me. I use sort of a weird, a weird name. And so no one knows I'm a dentist. So it's all my hokey buddies. And so I started following this, um, this, uh, the father used to be, it was the father of one of the football players. And I didn't know initially that he was a father, but he started to follow me and he'd make comments and he just seemed like a pretty good guy. Uh, it's the father of Dalton Keene and Dalton Keene just went in the third, third round. He's going to be at the Patriots this next year. So I've been a huge fan of this kid for the whole time he was at tech. So, so then I find out it's his dad, which I'm like now starstruck, you know, but we still have this relationship and I'm a little bit obsessed with him and all this. So he's got, of course, his little picture, his little picture on, uh, on, on Twitter. And so I sort of know what he looks like and I know he played college ball. So he's probably this big guy. So I'm there for a football game. Can't remember what who we were playing, UNC or something. And I'm at the what they call the Gucci Kroger, which is the nice Kroger in Blacksburg, picking up our stuff for our tailgate. And I'm getting out of my truck, and I look across at the truck, and I'm pretty sure it's Wes. I'm pretty sure it's him, but I'm not 100% sure. So he's sort of looking at me. I'm sort of looking at him. And then he turns around, and I go, I just had a chance. I go, Wes? And he spins his head around and he goes, John? And we like have this man hug. <laughs> we have this like, we have this like man hug. And you now we end up kind of hanging out and getting to know him. But it's crazy that I'd never spoken to this human being. It was all like interaction from the number of characters that happen in Twitter. But he was a buddy. Like he was a, he, he had become a friend of mine. Yeah. And so it shows you that you can connect in all sorts of formats. And so I, I totally agree with you on the concept that us being together sort of physically and seeing each other, um, it's, it was, it was, it was great. And I don't know if it was, would have been quite like that if I had just like met him somewhere, like all this stuff went up to it. So I think that the Academy really, and I think all CE places now are probably looking at it but this is a such an interesting vehicle for us to be able to keep better connected and it's the same thing with instagram and all these other these vehicles the same thing you do david with all of your um, your interviews and things on ignite i mean you're constantly you know before i even really got to know you i'd been following you a long time and then weirdly you know it's sort of do you remember when we were walking to um you kind of walked up behind me when we were, when you were coming, was that the alumni meeting or was it seminar one or it was the, it was when you spoke at the alumni a, a sleep. Oh, it was the sleep symposium. Yeah. Yeah. It was the symposium. But anyway, I, I knew you, you knew me just from this, but you're walking up, behind, you know, kind of behind me and you, we start talking and then I realize it's you and it's just, it's, just, it's a weird thing right now. So, but I do think absolutely long answer to your your question there is that we you got to get together and and i think that by virtue of the fact what's weird is getting together will be more special and you're going to feel much more connected immediately because you do already know a lot about these people like you can look at a twitter account or an instagram account for about five minutes and know a lot about that person 
like whether you want to hang with them or not, right? I mean, <laughs> like whether they resonate with you or not, whether they fit with you or not. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, as a person that's pushing 60, um, it's, this is a really weird, something I never could have imagined because for me, it was always coming up. There was no option. You had to drive or fly or, or do whatever. And, uh, the other thing I will say, I had to think like, I was thinking when I finished, when we finished up, David, on Tuesday, I was sitting there. I was having a glass of wine. My, my family is still at the lake, so I was by myself, but I was cooking a steak and a glass of wine. It was like maybe 10 after 6, and I was thinking, about right now, I'd be just getting to the Tampa airport, and they'd, I'd look at the board, and my flight would be delayed, and I'd be stressed about my connection in Charlotte, you know, right. knowing I was going to get home if I got home by midnight. And so from my perspective, the, the, the amount of time that you can spend, not just traveling and trying to get places, but developing great content and really, you know, also looking at like every question that was asked, I can not only see what question it was asked, but at what moment and what slide mm-hmm. I was on. So you're starting to learn what, where the holes are and what you're teaching. Uh, it's, it's, it's freaking amazing. Really? Well, I mean, I just want to follow up. I mean, because, I mean, a big part of Dawson Academy is obviously the blue time more than any other academy. I mean, we're so big on that, having a, you know, work-life balance. And I saw that. And so, I mean, I'm just getting onto Instagram, but I saw that photo of that that student with her daughter. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and think about it, like, from my standpoint, I mean, I have young kids. If I was just starting with the Dawson Academy and doing someone like that, would be my wife would love it. Yeah. Because, you know, once someone's done, I can immediately go and give her a break and take care of the kids, as opposed to I'd probably be getting home because, you know, being in flying into Toronto, if someone is done, I'd be getting home maybe late afternoon the next day. So, you know, all that time you're saving and creating in terms of blue time with your family. Yeah, I, I, I really think this is a game changer. And I can't believe you could, you could actually, can you go back down and see where the questions were and paired up with your slides. Yeah. You can, okay. Yeah. You can go back to it too. Wow. Yeah. Cause it's all recorded. So you can see the exact moment that this, the, where you were in the presentation and line it up. So yeah, it, the, the content's amazing. And I think we're kind of scratching the surface too, because there's even breakout rooms. So, I mean, if you wanted to do, have more people in the Academy there to take people and break up. I mean, so we're, we're scratching the surface about, what's possible and also how intimate you can make it. You know, I mean, it can be very much in a big venue, which also feels pretty connected because they're looking, you know, like we're looking at each other right now. I know the podcasts aren't seeing us, but we're sitting here looking at each other. Um, They have the same view, but, but then to be able to do small group sessions, if you wanted to do that, I'm talking to Drew Reingold right now about potentially doing something with Invisalign. So we can do a lecture and then go into, into small groups and teach them how to use the ClinCheck Pro so they can turn it on and move the teeth around and we can help them see and do it properly. Um, you know, that's what's interesting is the more digital we go and the less we rely on stone models, um, the more this even becomes more possible because, you know, if you're, if you're together, if you're side by side, just looking at a computer screen, well, there's no difference 
than doing that across the country. We can look at the same computer screen just as easily. Whereas if you're holding an articulator and trying to get a camera to look at an articulator, that's way a way different uh, a way different thing, for sure. It's pretty amazing. David, do you, find, do you find that the, the younger docs, I guess I know the answer, but is it, 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 are, do all the younger docs like this or do you find that uh, some of the younger docs do prefer more one to like, like face to face? I would say the key element is interactive, you know, <laughs> so live interactive, digitally interactive, that's the big key so i you know when i first founded ignite i thought for sure we were going to be totally online and i was stunned to find out um, when we hosted live events how many young people wanted live events to the tune where we were doing you know 40 a year so i think to your point live isn't going away and there's a place for it there's going to be a shift in how live gets done and the frequency with it but I think no matter how old you are, we still all want to really be connected to one another. We want to have a home and a place and a community, people. Yeah, I think, I think too, I meant to say this, and I think, I think the other thing, like I, I got the lowdown of when you did the live event and met Caitlin, my daughter, when you went into U of L and, yeah. and I, you know, she was talking about that a lot of your stuff was informational, but you also had a big social component to it. I think it's gonna be really important with the Academy uh, at both seminar three and the Dawson uh, association meetings that we're even more social. I mean, there's gotta be some educational stuff that happens, but I think that the main reason people will come together is to be together. That, sure. that, that's what I think. And yeah. And so I think seminar three might look different. You know, we might do it over three days, but we might stop every day at two thirty and have something fun to do. And then something to do at night, you know? Uh, and I also think you're going to find us being more driven by going really nice places. Not really, not, I wouldn't say necessarily really nice, but interesting places. So yeah. that yeah. not always, in, not always back in Florida, but, but going to destinations where people also want to be. Um, I think that's going to be more important because I do. Well, the other thing I notice with this younger generation, they definitely intertwine their learning with fun, right? I mean, yes, maybe more than we did. I mean, we were definitely, you did work, it was work and you went there and, but these people are definitely intertwining um, education with, you know, being together and, and it, let's face it, they're younger. So, so you're kind of there. Uh, but gosh, when I was going when I was going through Dawson a hundred years ago, I mean, it was uh, boot camp, baby. There was no fun. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah. you were, you were, and so I think now, I think we can do the boot camp stuff online. And uh, the other thing that I think that it taught us was, and there was two things that drove this class. One was Joan and I had been working with a uh, instructional de design person um, named Kelsey, and I can't remember the company we was work were working with, but basically an adult learning company that was looking at our stuff and giving us um, training on how to be better at what we do, being able to deliver it. And so she was already teaching us how to write questions and making sure that we actually had questions based on the previous and 
and so and and maybe questioning our our starting at eight and going all the way to ten, you know that that we have to be thinking about that. So to be able to redo seminar one and to say, okay, we're going to talk for 50 minutes and do 10 minute questions that I'll write based on the previous 50 minutes that allows me to then say, what were the, I'm going to write four questions. What were the four key points that I want to make sure they know? And so then they answer those questions. And if they miss one, then they exposes that they missed it. So I get a chance to kind of explain it again, which is great. And then there's a five minute break. So, but 40 to 50 minutes of content is about especially at seminar in functional occlusion, it's all anybody can handle. So, so, so I feel like maybe before when we would do two hours and a break, two hours and lunch, two hours and a break, two hours, you know, that eight hour day by the end, I, I can just remember my head about ready to explode. And so I think the, you know, starting at nine and, and just tightening everything up and spending a little more time doing the Q and a, um, I think it was a really good exercise on the adult learning principles that we've learned, but that also it even was better in that format because people are less afraid to ask questions in that format. I mean, Very you guys, true. You, you guys know this in live situations, a lot of people don't want to answer questions and the ones that do ask questions might not even really want to know the answer to the question. They just want everybody to look at them. So, <laughs> so it just makes the other people angry in the room. So, so <laughs> we've all known a couple of dentists who are that dentist. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think I was that dentist at all the uh, Dawson courses. You know, asking questions. And- you were cut. You were making jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, but I, I, I mean, I watching you do seven three. I thought those polls were. It was a high response rate. It was a very cool thing to do. I mean, and and a lot easier, I'm sure, to do it through Zoom well, than to yeah. do it live. Right? And I can tell you, there was a big. We learned a lot from that one, so we took a big jump forward, even from some three to to the to the functional occlusion class. So I think we're going to get keep getting better at it, but but just from the standpoint of learning and um, and where we are, it'll just be interesting. But I think. I do think this COVID-19 is going to create a shift. And, you know, you think about other, what, what are some other industries that you guys are seeing that are being affected by this that are going to be different? What do you think, David? What do you think are some of the ones that pop into your head? The first one that pops in my head, you know, looking out our window, our restaurants and yeah. bars, you know, they're, they're so different. And, but, but it, you know, just like we've innovated, the... Um, the best ones have innovated so incredibly well and probably discovered as much as we have on the dental side of, of how to do business better. Hmm. Interesting. Crazy. Yeah. Is, is it like more pickup type stuff or what do you, what's different? Do you think? I think it's pickup stuff. We've got restaurants right down here who started hosting virtual cooking classes. So they've said, Hey, you know what, John Pio, here's what we're going to do. Come pick up, all the goodies. Oh, oh my God. And we're going to show you how to make that great dinner we would have served you. So you're buying for a lesser price, but they, but to your point, they, they create an experience. So now. That's really cool. It, That's genius. It, yeah. It, That's isn't genius. it genius? Yeah. It's so simple, so obvious, but so missable. And um, people are happy. They get to be home, they feel safer, but they get to do something productive with their time. They learn a skill. And, oh, it's interesting. And it's interesting. I've heard somebody say that this is um, 
there's something bigger at play here right now, you know, and, and I do think sometimes that the, when the whole world is given a chance to pause, maybe it's happening for a reason for us to pause on, as Pete would say, what matters most, you know, and, and the fact that you could go out and spend twice the amount of money and be in a fancy restaurant. Now this company is making money, having you be at home with a few friends. It's interesting, isn't it? It's shifting back to a simpler time. A simpler time. I love it. Well, it's been about 30 minutes. We've covered a lot. POD, any final words? How, when do you think you're going to go back? Um, uh, I, I, I'm anticipating for June. I asked what I'm thinking is June. Uh, you know, Quebec, which is, has, has had the most COVID deaths of anywhere in Canada, they, they're reopening everything. But it's insane how they're reopening like schools it's like these kids it's like it's gonna be like it's like a prison like they have to sit in their desks they cannot move from their desks recess they have to be six feet apart like how are you gonna do it i i have no idea so but quebec is you know our northerly uh, our northerly neighbor the and they're reopening yeah the so quebec. i i think it's gonna be june and so i'm really trying to you know plan and get a checklist a covid ready checklist of what i need to be yeah and you're right the first the first thing you got to do is secure the gear and the second thing but i imagine this is something that we're going to continue to to uh to talk about as we go through but i was just to smell a little tooth dust today man it was awesome i mean i was i was like ready to to do some to do the d i did a little d today it was great That's How about you? Are you headed back to New York anytime soon, David? You know, it looks like the last week of May will be my first trip back. And, we'll, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get into, we're going to do a dress rehearsal, you know, a few days before we open with the whole team, get everybody feeling comfortable with all the new gear and, and the process. And we'll open up the doors and, you know, we've got a lot of patients ready waiting. So it's yeah. really about, you know, phasing one, two, three, and, and how we move people through slowly. and. Now with where, with where you are, is it, is because it's all of New York. I mean, where you are is not nearly as affected obviously as the city, but are they treating the state all as sort of one or are, do you think they'll open up your side of the state a little bit before? So they're looking at a county by county and um, New York city, very different than, you know, Buffalo, New York in essence, but Erie County has a, a, you know, a pretty high per capita, um, hip, hip, uh, hip, yeah, it's, 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 it's more than you'd imagine. So wow. we're, you know, they're taking our time. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. Well guys, as usual, this has been fun. Uh, everybody out there, if you are, uh, in need of PPE, uh, if you're ha- having challenges with that, you can certainly, uh, reach out to me directly on Instagram uh, at John C. Cranham DDS. Uh, I've got a few contacts with, uh, with where Caitlin is working right now. And, and again, I'm just kind of keeping my ears open to try to help people, but stay safe and good talking to you guys. And we will see you all next time. Stay safe guys. Good times. Thanks. That was awesome. Cheers.